The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you sick, or hungry, or a stranger, or naked, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteousness, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. We are slipping away from the season of Pentecost, a season when we as Christians are taught to understand what our Lord Jesus Christ is about. His teaching, his healing, his time with his disciples are for us. And hopefully, at the end of this 23-week course, we have learned enough to understand him and ourselves. But today, it's the final exam. And we have to find out. We have to find out both for ourselves for those who love us, and of course, for Christ the King, what we're made of. And so, the lesson for today speaks of what we would call an apocalyptic, an apocalyptic moment. And the word apocalypse means unveiling. And so, our Lord Jesus Christ, as you read in the lection, he's not coming here meek and mild. 
He is coming as what they call the Son of Man. That's kind of like an official title. He's got a throne. He's got a list. And he's got his angels with him. This is not Jesus meek and mild. This is Christ the King. That's why we're wearing white. This is the color of the ascended Lord. All that is realized in him is with us. And we have the opportunity to know it, if we so choose. Well, what, what is this apocalypse, and, and how does it work? I was thinking about this when, uh, for some strange reason, uh, a little song, a Christmas song, actually, popped into my head. And I'm going to read it to you, and then maybe I can, I think I can point out why this is a song about the apocalypse. The song, uh, you may want to hum along, but, uh, but I, uh, I really can't sing. I mean, the last, uh, I can't sing. I really can't. But, but here it is, okay? It's called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> but listen to this. Seriously, listen to this. You better watch out. Well, let me tell you, that's in Scripture. Remember, you must be on your guard because the end of the world could come at any moment. There are two men in a field. One stays, the other goes. You better watch out. You better be ready. You better not cry. Better not cry. That's about fear and anger. Be doing that means you probably don't have the right stuff. So you better not cry. You better not pout. Well, of course you better not pout. That means you're selfish and you're whining, and God doesn't like whiners. So that's, that's that. I'm telling you why. And this is what, so you don't do those things, and I'm telling you why you don't do them. And it's because Santa Claus, a.k.a. Christ the King of Heaven, is coming to your town. He's making a list. And this is like the sheep and the goats. He's making a list, not of toys to bring, but of people that he has had under observation for their entire lives. So he's making a list, and just because the outcome is so serious, he's going to check it twice. Right? Check it twice. Going to find out, and this is the judgment. This is what we just read in Matthew. Who's naughty and nice? And that's the truth. Who's naughty and nice? And he knows, and you know what? I think kind of everybody knows because our Lord sets uh, such wide guidelines, which I'll get to in a minute. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake all the time. God knows. It doesn't matter what you're doing. He is seeing you, hopefully loving you, too. But he is seeing you. And when we forget who God is, in other words, not ourselves, we get in our we get into trouble. And that's what these two lines, I think, say, whether you're sleeping, whether you're awake. You can have your head in the sand. It doesn't matter. God knows where you are. And he also knows what you're like. He knows if you've been bad or good. 
So, and this is kind of scary, so be good for goodness sake. The implication is, if you're not good, you're going to end up with those people in, in, in eternal damnation, right? So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Christ the King is coming to town. Christ the King is coming to town. Now, I guess you'll never uh, see this little jingle the same again. <laughs> but uh, I, it really appealed to me. I thought it really, you know, summed things up. Now we're going to go back to this, this, this text because um, it is actually a very powerful text about what we can dare to do. And in order to understand that, there's something that I wanted to share about a very sort of peculiar um, uh, trend in Scripture, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament. And um, it goes like this. It's like most people, like me, you have a beginning and an end. It makes sense, right? Beginning and end. No, 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 no. End and then beginning. End and then beginning. For instance, right here, this is the end. This is the end of everything. And we are going to remove all the debris on the construction site so we can build a huge tower of love and respect. But we can't do that until we get rid of all the debris. They're not going to help. So the debris has to be moved away. No doubt about it. So what next? What next for us? Well, it seems to me that our Lord Jesus Christ is pushing us to do a better job. And he does this by this long uh, story uh, about uh, those who are good and those who aren't. And what's amazing about it is after we hear those characteristics that are needed to enter eternal life and to be saved. And basically, if you think about it, it's just, you know, be good to somebody else. Don't be grabbing for yourself. You know, don't be jealous and angry. Show mercy. Show forgiveness. Try to reach out and help. And a lot of people say, I think, in a, maybe it's Puritanism, but they say, you get from this life what you get. You get what you get. And that's it. That's wrong. Wrong. Real wrong. Because we, as Christians, get what we give. That's what we get. And that's what emboldens us to try to do a little extra. And, in a way, this passage is a bridge into what's coming next. And, as I said, this is the end. You can't get anything more end-like than this. And then... You just look out over the hill, you know, one side of the hill is a gigantic volcano, which is just destroying everything. You go over the top of the hill, and there's peace. There's a baby. There's hope. There's hope which so many people never had before. And we move on. So the end, and then the beginning. Does anybody remember what it says on T.S. Eliot's tombstone in East Coker? He was an Anglican, a very strong Anglican, and it says, my end is my beginning. That's what it says. And so he understood that. He understood that you move from one place to another. But think about the, 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 the life of Christ. 
He goes and teaches and heals and leads, and then he dies. That's the end. We only need to read the passages about the disciples and what they thought, as well as the women. He was gone. He was dead. It's over. The end. Until he rises up. The beginning. All over again. And I think maybe part of the reason that we see this a lot in Scripture is it's so powerful to say, oh boy, this is it. You know, I'm not going to be able to do anything now. It's too late. And that's not true. It's not true. Over and over again in Scripture, that's what happens. I mean, there's also bad things sometimes that happen in the Old Testament, um, which seem to happen quite often, actually. But, but, uh, but, um, but for instance, for instance, um, and you've got to remember that the early parts of Genesis um, are very old, and the depictions of God are quite what we would say anthropomorphic, you know, sort of like a man. Like, for instance, um, uh, um, in, in Babel, uh, everybody is logged in. They got Facebook, they got tweets, they got the whole internet. They are synced. No doubt about it. They know everything that's going on and they do it as one. These are the people who live in Babel. They are so able to know each other's thoughts, to do everything. And so God, and this is sort of the anthropomorphic God, so that was, that's, that was like I said, the end. That's, what, that, that's where they were at. And God says, you know what? These people are going to challenge me for power and glory, so I'm going to mess them up. I'm, I'm going to ruin this communication thing, and we're just going to go back Neanderthal. We're not going to be able to stay and have Facebook. Sorry, no Facebook. Thank God. And, uh, and um, so, you see, they go backwards. They have to go backwards. And now God says, we're going to make a new beginning, but it's kind of a bad new beginning. But there it is, because he's jealous. You know, another story about that where you have beginning and you know, ending and beginning is, like, God and Satan are, like, hanging out together. And Satan says, hey, I'm going to make a bet with you. And God says, okay, you know, no problem. He says, I'm going to check and see whether one of your favorite servants, one of the people you think is holy, 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 I'm going to check and see whether I can get him to curse God. We're talking about Job. And God says, yeah, that's a good bet. I'll take you on that. So, again, that was the beginning of this story. And the end, the end is... I'm assuming the end was in the, in the bet, and the beginning is that, you know, Job turned out okay after a lot of pain, you know. So this idea of the end feeding into the beginning is very appropriate for us. And I think that um, we uh, say we want to do the right thing. How do we really save ourselves? And I think maybe I might say, well, you have to be, you know, eaten by a big wild beast or you have to, you know, suffer sainthood or something like that. And I think this this um, this uh, text gives us great hope about being felt to be acceptable by not necessarily being holy or anything like that. And, And it's all here. It's like, hey, you mean if I show mercy to somebody else? then that means that I'm showing mercy to Jesus Christ. 
Is that, is that right? I didn't know that. I just thought I was giving somebody a cup of cold water. And I think that's the wonderful thing about this text, is it says, no, you don't understand. If you can overcome your selfishness and your limitations and become forgiving without any kind of judgment and showing mercy and care and supporting people, before you know it, you're going to be with God and the angels. You're going to be on the right side. And I think so many people say, gee, that's, I just did a little something. And I'm not trying to say we should blow everything up out of proportion, but what is being laid out here is what it is that's pleasing to God. And it's basically loving other people and trying to do for them. You know, we're coming into a difficult period. Our country is in a terrible recession. There's so many good people. And I don't even care if there are some bad people who aren't working. They're not working. And it's a terrible thing uh, for a person's confidence. But I think that one of the things maybe some of us have to do is to reach out to people like that. If only with conversation or, you know, being with people like that. You know, I think sometimes people worry that they might catch something from the people who have no work. And that just couldn't be further from the, further from the truth. And in addition... I think God likes that. That's what he's saying in this text. He's saying, listen, if you do simple things, you're doing them for me. If you don't do simple things, you're cooked. You know, it's not good. You know, it's not good. And so the whole takeaway message of this very powerful, uh, this very powerful story is that we are at the end of the world. And this is what's going to happen. You know, the sheep and the goats. Interestingly, you know, if uh, you were up in the upper elevations in Palestine where uh, a lot of the uh, shepherds went to feed their animals, they would feed the sheep and the goats together. They'd just be put out the pasture, goats and sheep. And, um, you know, the goats, of course, were black and the sheep were white. And uh, what happened, though, at the end of the day is that the shepherd would move them apart. He'd, he'd get all the goats together because the weather was too cold for them and they'd, they'd perish if they didn't get into a small barn, which is what they did. And so this, this image is what Jesus is talking about. I'm going to move one group you know, away and keep the other here. And that's the way it's going to be. And it isn't that he decided this. It's the people themselves decided it. They chose to turn their back on the poor or the hungry or whatever. And it's as clear as day. That's what we should not do. We should just try to reach out. And, you know, Christmas is a great time to be thinking about that uh, and to hold on to that and to pray about that. I mean, heaven knows, you know, this earth... Needs prayers. Needs a lot of prayers. So I commend you to look at this text again and just think about where do I fit in? Where do I fit in here? And can I, as a uh, honest uh, Christian person, uh, be on the right side of that fence? Amen.